So it's go time. You know what it's like when you get to a point where you've done all the preparation, everything is in place, and it's time to step out and actually act. Well, as we've gone through this study week after week after week, we've been talking about all of the preparation that we need to be able to conquer our Jericho. And if you look at where we are in our story now, the men have been circumcised. They're healed up. Uh, they've had Passover. They, Joshua has had a chance to uh, see the commander of the army of the Lord, and it's time to go. And so as we think about the anticipation and the excitement that must have been sweeping over the camp in Israel, it's really interesting to start to think about the process that God surprised the people with to be able to conquer Jericho. And so today what we want to talk about is when we get the plan from God, when it's time to act, we have to commit to it, as surprising as it may be. So before we do that, let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we're so grateful for this day where we can think about the way that you equip us to act. Um, Lord, we can spend a lot of time preparing and intellectualizing and getting ready for what you would have us to do, but there come times in our lives where we've got to step out. And this week, as we study how the people of Israel marched around that wall of Jericho six times, gave that shout on the seventh day, and then went in and invaded the city. You've got a plan for us to be able to follow through on some of those Jerichos that you want us to deal with. So help us to do that as we think about committing to your plan and everything that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. So the people are waiting, and as they get ready to do it, I can imagine that the men of the army are starting to practice with their weapons. They're starting to get ready for the battle that's to come. And Joshua comes to them with the plan from God. And I can imagine that a hush just kind of went over the people of Israel as they waited to hear what the battle plan was going to be, how the different divisions would go in, what the attack would look like. And then Joshua gave them a plan that I know surprised them. Let's go to verse 2. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Trumpets, parades, shouts. That was very different than the plan that I guarantee the people of Israel were thinking that they were going to follow as they went into Jericho. So I want to ask you, when has God surprised you with his plan? I think there are a couple of principles. And one of the principles is no matter how surprised we are, God wants us to agree with the plans that he has for us if we're going to be able to walk with him and conquer the Jerichos in our lives. So let's talk about two things that we have to think about as we agree with the plan. The first is sometime the plan is going to be unconventional. All of those uh, men who were in the army had their ideas, but when Joshua explained what God was going to have them do, I know they were starting to ask all the whys. Why would we do it that way? That's not how we've been trained. That's not how we think about battle. That's not even the way that we've seen battle happen in the past. But God came in with this very explicit plan for how to act. And in that unconventional plan, he required a trust that was very different 
from what the people would have to do if they were going on to fight the battle on their own. So I've got to ask you, when did God give you an unconventional way to see him at work? And did you spend a lot of time trying to argue with him about why the plan wouldn't work? Or were you willing to step back and say, I've seen all of the ways that you've delivered in my life before. I'm willing to agree with you to follow that unconventional plan. Well, one of the things that also happens when God gives us unconventional plans is it can make us feel uncomfortable. And so I've thought a lot this week as I've studied this about the fact that in so many areas of my life, I've looked at what I've studied, what I've done professionally, what I've tried to get involved with to prepare me for the things that I feel that God is asking me to do for him. And just like those men of Israel who were going in to fight, I believe that they had thought about the way they had prepared in a certain way for battle, how they had used some of their strengths and some of their gifts to be at a place in the army, that they had thought about their position in a way that would allow them to succeed. And what God did is he said, you know what? You've done all those things and you've done them well. You have equipped yourself. You have studied. You've prepared. But ultimately, it's not your own strength that I'm going to call upon to be able to deliver on my plan. I'm going to put you in uncomfortable situations where you're going to have to use some skills you haven't used before, where you're going to have to lean on some strengths you haven't used before as I think about going in and conquering Jericho. So think about the times in your life where you've had to stretch, where God has just asked you to bring up a new strength, bring up a new area of expertise, learn something differently, develop a new skill because you're uncomfortable in the place that God would have you to be if you're going to deliver. And as you do that, are we sometimes so resistant to that because we are uncomfortable? We know best what we can do. Or are we open to say to God, your plan might be un unconventional. Your plan might be uncomfortable to me, but I'm willing to make myself open to new ways of thinking, new things that you would have me reach out and do, new opportunities that might stand in the way so that I would be able to, again, not rely on my own strength, but lean on you to develop new strengths in me, to birth new ideas, to birth new um, opportunities that I could use to be able to walk with you. When we agree with God's plan, we don't sit our plan in front of him and say, God, we want you to agree on how we would do things. We take time, we listen, we explore, we get ready to take the unconventional and the uncomfortable things that he would put in front of us and agree with him because we trust him. So we agree with God's plan, but the next thing that we've got to do is anticipate the results. So let's go back to Joshua. And in verse eight, it says, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord, while the trumpets kept sounding. 
So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. I've thought a lot about those men, those priests, circling the walls of the city. And for those six days, when they marched around once and then they returned to camp, I know that that must have been such an interesting time when the people of Jericho certainly could have looked down from the wall to see what they were doing, trying to figure out what was going on. And I'm sure that if I was one of those men who was circling the walls of a city, um, I'd be experiencing a lot of emotions. There was probably some wonder. There was probably a little humiliation because they were expecting to go in and fight. But what I keep thinking about is as those men circled the walls of the city, I'm betting that there was an anticipation. There was an anticipation that all of their dreams, all of the things that they had hoped to succeed when they went into Jericho would happen. And it was that anticipation that allowed them to be able every day to trust God's plan and move around the wall of the city in the direction that God had given them. And so what did that anticipation look like? What does our anticipation look like as we think about following through with where God would have us to go? Well, there are two aspects of anticipation that I think we're called to center on. And one is we should anticipate success. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God has a successful plan for your life? Now, success will be defined in many ways, but I really believe that God wants the best for us. He wants us to succeed. And so do you wake up every morning with this sense of anticipation that God has something better for us today than he did yesterday, that God has a plan for success, that he does plan to give you that hope and a future? I've learned in my life that I have two decisions um, that I can make every day. One, I can decide, Lord, help me to follow through with what you would have me to do today, what you're putting on my heart through your word, through prayer. And the second decision is, am I going to live my life in a way that exudes my anticipation of the success that you're going to give me? Am I joyful? Do I generate that enthusiasm in the people around me because they can see that I am dependent on God to help me succeed and I anticipate success in the journey that he gives me? It looks very differently if we start to live in a way where we know that it says that about success. We know that um, it might seem like a promise that's in the Bible, but deep down inside, God, you don't succeed in the way that you allow me to live out my life for you. Um, I don't succeed in the plans that you give me. I keep failing. I keep falling. And when I do that, I start to have a very different kind of outlook on my life. So how are you living? Do you expect success? Do you anticipate success in the plans that God gives you? And then what does your life look like if you really believe that? So I think that God calls us to anticipate that success, and it should really impact so many different areas of our life, how we interact with others, how we live our lives, how we spend our time. But the other area where he calls us to anticipate, I think as he says to us, anticipate surprise. There are going to be things in our life that just shock us if we are willing to just trust God. And, you know, if I sit down and look at the different journeys that God has taken me on through my life, the people that 
he's brought into my life, the different paths he's taken me down, the fact that I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, rather than in Texas, the, the fact that I'm doing this business rather than being an attorney, the fact that he had me work on this particular mission opportunity rather than the ones that I felt called to when I was in high school. I can give you specific after specific after specific where the surprise of following God has been one of the greatest adventures of my life. And I think we should anticipate that surprise. Um, those people, as they were marching around the walls of Jericho, they trusted that God was going to deliver Jericho to them. But I know that as they were sitting there, they were thinking, there's got to be something that's going to happen besides the walls just breaking down and us invading in. There's got to be kind of a, a traditional way that we're going to deal with that Jericho. Well, that's not how God delivered. God surprised them. And those people, as they marched around the walls of the city, I think had an anticipation that they had seen God do surprising things before. He had dried up the Jordan. He had taken care of them. And he was going to do it again. So are you living in a winsome way, ready for God to surprise you? Do you wake up every day saying, I'm going to be good about setting out the goals that you've given me, Lord. I have a plan, but you know what? I'm going to leave enough margin in my life for you to be able to surprise me because I know that you will. I encourage you to do it. I encourage you not to become so wed to that two-year plan or that five-year plan. Even maybe become so wed to that schedule that's in front of you today and not leave God some margin, some room to be able to bring that unexpected encounter, that unexpected journey that he's got for you today. Because he may take you in a place that leads you to something that's more wonderful and exciting and more in line with where he would have you to go than you could have ever imagined. So live in anticipation. Live in anticipation that God is going to prosper you. He wants your success. And live in anticipation that he is definitely going to surprise you. He's definitely going to make a way for you to experience an adventure with him that we can't even imagine if we'll be willing to trust him. So we've got to agree with God's plan. We've got to live in anticipation for the results. But one of the things I most appreciate about the story of Joshua 6 is that when the walls came down, when they went in and they seized their Jericho, the other thing that they did is they followed through on something that they had promised to do back in the earlier chapters of Joshua. They were willing to account for the people involved. So let's go down to verse 22. And if you remember the story of the two men who had um, gone in to meet with Rahab before, they had made a promise to her. And so we pick up in, in verse 22 where it says, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, and brothers and sisters and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Joshua accounted for the people who had made the way for them to be successful in their ambush of Jericho. And I think there is a lesson here as we think about going in and conquering the Jerichos that God would have us to go after and take into account the people who have done two things in the story of our Jerichos. One, who has influenced your ability to conquer Jericho? Who are the people that have gone before you and have laid away? They've given you resources. They've given you knowledge. 
They've given you opportunities that allow you to be positioned to conquer your Jericho. How do you think about taking them into account in your plans? You know, I always like the phrase that you dance with the date who brought you, right? When you think about new opportunities or new things you're doing, you, you bring the people with you that help set up the opportunity. Well, this principle is played out really well in Joshua 6 because Rahab had given them the information that they needed to be successful in their campaign against Jericho. And Joshua and the people of Israel followed through on taking care of those people. So I find it really helpful at times to sit down and think about the people who have helped me succeed in my business, who have helped me succeed with the plans that I feel that God has given me, who have helped me succeed or given me information or given me knowledge that have allowed me to be able to set a different course for my life. And spend some time thinking about the fact that I need to think about them as more than just an asset. I need to think about them as more than just something that I tick away and uh, give a quick thank you to. Am I thinking about the way that I involve them in my story, that I account for them, that I make sure that I bring them along with me so that they can see the power of God's presence in my life and the results of what he's doing? So God calls us to account for the influencers, but he also calls us to take into account all of those who are impacted. You know, it wasn't just Rahab that he saved. It goes on to say that he took care of her family right? Her brothers, her family, everyone involved. And he took those people out of Jericho and took them to the camp. There were a lot of people who were impacted by the Israelites' decision to go into Jericho. And as a part of that, Joshua took care of all of them. So I want to ask you again, we talked about this earlier in the study, as you think about the Jerichos in your life, as you think about the dreams, as you think about the things you need to deal with in your life, as you think about the way that you've defined what your Jericho looks like, are you taking account of all of the people who are going to be impacted by that seas of Jericho? I think about this a lot with my family. As God puts new dreams in my heart, as he puts new things in front of me where he would have me to go in terms of how I'm spending my time, what I'm doing, I have become more and more convinced that a part of wrestling with his plan, committing to his plan, is to spend time specifically thinking about what does it do to the relationships with my family? What does it do to the relationships that are important to me in my life? How will they be impacted? How do I need to account for them so that I can bring them along with me? So I want you to really take time now that we have been in this study for some weeks, and I hope that your Jericho is becoming clearer. Your idea for what God would have you to conquer is becoming clearer. Take the time to really look at the people that are going to be involved. And ask yourself, one, are you protecting them? Are you making sure that you're going to take care of them just like Joshua took Rahab and her family outside the camp? And also, are you involving them? Are you involving them in a way where they can see how God is moving in the Jericho in your life so that they can be encouraged by it, blessed by it, and use that as a way to set their own Jerichos in their own lives? When we account for the people involved, we not only get to experience the blessing ourselves for how God would have us to conquer Jericho, but we get to enjoy that with the people that are closest to us. It's go time. Settle on God's plan. Commit to it. Get ready to be surprised with how he is going to work. And then look around at the people who you can bring with you and who can grow as a result of what he's doing in your life. All of my